0: Welcome to episode eighteen, my conversation with AJ from Cowan Lord in New York City. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Today is April 23rd, and I am your host, Major. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing their experiences. This is Matt Ian Kelly of The
1: Beginner's Guide to a 40-something Gay Man. The Straight Up Gay Podcast is free of cursing, but we may have topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now.
0: Today on the show, I have a great guest, a guest from a a very good organization in New York City, which is the Callen Lord organization. Um, His his name is AJ, and uh, he's here to tell us all about what Callen Lord is all about and what they do and just give us some info to share with our audience about Callen Lord. So welcome to the show, AJ. Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, do us a favor first and just kind of give us an overview about
1: yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is AJ, 39, living and working around New York City. I work at the Callan Lloyd Community Health Center, and I'm a manager in the Health Outreach to Teens program there and the Mobile Outreach program, which, which centers around providing services to the adolescent and young adult population of our health center.
0: Okay, cool. And so, give us some details about what they do over there at Calend Lord. I've looked at the website a little bit and I know you guys offer a variety of services. So, go ahead and tell us what they do over there at Calend Lord. What kind of services do you provide? What kind of people do you help?
1: So, we are a federally qualified health center and we seek to provide quality, sensitive healthcare to New York City's LGBT community, um, regardless of their ability to pay. We provide primary care services, HIV care, transgender care. We provide women's healthcare, GYN services, sexual health services, testing, treatment for STIs. We offer a full range uh, dental suite. We have a lot of mental health services available, behavioral health services, I should say. And we also have um, care coordination services to help link people to other resources in the city of New York and um, help people coordinate their surgeries if that's what they're seeking. And um, just a, it's just a really, really great place. And I really enjoy working there. Awesome. That
0: sounds really cool. It sounds like you guys provide a, a good variety of, of services to the LGBT community. Most importantly, I think, is um, some of the uh, behavioral health care services, I think, that um, – Probably a lot more people, including cis and, and straight people, could probably use some mental health services as well. But I'm sure you know there's a large need for people who are qualified to help uh, LGBT people with their unique um, they experience in in their in their
1: world. Yeah, absolutely. We're really really fortunate to be able to provide those really needed services, and 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 we do a great job of it.
0: Okay, and like I said in the beginning, you are the manager of health outreach to teens and the manager of the mobile outreach program or that's part of the mobile outreach program. Right. Mm-hmm. So do me a favor and, and detail that. Tell me what you do day to day. What's that, sure. prog- what's that program all about? What kind of things do you guys do day in and day out in that, uh, in that section of Callum Lord?
1: Great. Yeah. So that the health outreach of teens program, we call it the hot program, uh, two T's. We center the work that we do around the youngest people at Callum Lord, Um, Our age range is 13 to 24 years old, and we offer the same services as the larger agencies. So we do the primary care. um, We offer HIV care, trans care. We do testing services. We do women's health services, mental health services, behavioral health services. We have a care coordination team of our own, and our outreach band is really – we really seek to – to go to places in the city and surrounding area where young people are congregating where young people hang out and those young people may not be ready to engage in the healthcare system so we bring a mobile medical unit to them we bring our name our expertise and our competency in order to to make them feel more comfortable accessing very needed healthcare services and that's what- Mobile program.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a very uh, valuable part of the program. Uh, it it just occurs to me, you know, I'm not I'm not an LGBT person, but just thinking through this, I can imagine because you guys provide services to people who uh, who don't have the ability to pay. Mm-hmm. They probably don't have the ability to get to where you are even if they wanted to take advantage of your services, because they don't even have the ability to pay, the ability to even get to where you are to get those services is probably going to be a difficulty in and of itself. So having the mobile outreach program lets you go to the people where they're at that can't even get to you, even if they knew about you and wanted to take advantage of your services. So I think that's a very, very valuable aspect of your program.
1: Yeah. You actually mentioned something really important in that Transportation is definitely you know, one of many barriers that our patients face in trying to access care for their bodies. Um, you know, transportation is a barrier. Housing is a barrier. Family can be a barrier for some of the younger people uh, in our clinic. Racism is a barrier. You know, there's, there's lots of things that are, are barriers to our people um, that we serve. We try to eliminate as many of those barriers as we can. And that's kind of like the underlying goal of all the work we do.
0: Yeah, I I can imagine that that's um, very important because especially for the young people, you know, if they are gay or trans, may have had problems with their family, may have been kicked out of their home. They may be homeless at this point. They may not have transportation. And so I think the health outreach to the teens program is very important because, you know, I can imagine being a, a young teenager of maybe 16, 17, even 18 years old being kicked out or not having a place to live because you had some sort of fallout, whether it was because you were gay or trans or not. Uh, It could have been something other, you know, completely unrelated to that. And the fact that you guys go out to those areas where those kids are and and bring your services to them that they may not even have been aware of is probably supremely important. Because if you get to them early, you can help educate them. You can help them protect themselves to prevent things like STIs or anything else, you know, that, you know, you, you would end up having to help treat them with. Later on down the road if you can you, if you can help them early on, you can probably give them some better preventative care for the future to help them becoming a patient in the future
1: yeah, definitely that's the entire goal of the outreach program it's um It's actually funded to find people who are you know in their words, not in our words at risk for HIV and other diseases and to link them into care in order to improve their lives and have better health outcomes for them in the future moving forward. So it's, that's the entire goal of our program.
0: I can imagine being in New York city, you guys get a wide range of, of people of demographics, you know, of age and race and sexual identity, sexual orientation, gender identity, and all that. So give me the average if I, if you were to expect the next person to walk in to just be the average person who you help, what what are the majority of the type of people that you provide help to?
1: I would say as an agency, um, certainly 65% of the people we serve are under the age of 40. So I think that's really significant. I think the person, the next person to walk through our doors is more, more than likely to be someone under the age of 40. You know, we serve about 50% people of color, about 43% people who are white. So, you know, it's a toss up, uh, in terms of their racial demographic, but certainly, They're going to identify somewhere along the LGBT spectrum typically, although we're not just open to people on that, you know, who identify on that spectrum. Um, we, we will provide services to anybody, but I think that the biggest thing is age. Things are definitely trending younger. As someone who works in the youth program, I see the same thing happening in our program where our typical age, you know, it felt to me like most of the people we were serving a few years ago were in their early twenties, 19, and now we're seeing it that starting to trend a lot younger as well. We have a lot of 14-year-olds in our program right now. So one of the questions that occurred
0: to me is because you, you generally help people who are younger, they probably aren't familiar maybe with the healthcare system or or like we said, you know, they don't have the ability to pay and you guys provide services whether or not they could pay at all. So I guess my question is, is how, how do you provide these services? Like, um, if they aren't able to pay and how do you, how are you guys funded? Uh, do you get government grants? Do you get, um, charities like from religious organizations or is it donations? How are you primarily funded?
1: All of the above, right? So I, we're a federally qualified health center. So the federal, the federal health center program, the, the, the federal program that funds us, um, they provide certain funding and there's certain ways that that funding is set up to provide protections for people who are uninsured. We're actually required, you know, by our funding source to see people who are uninsured. So we're we're kind of funded in a way. Second part of that would be we do receive other grants, both from government agencies and private donations and and foundations. Um, My program in particular is funded by three different grants from the New York State Department of Health that are specific to um, kind of eliminate the HIV epidemic, you know, so we have those grants. Um, that provides some money for the, the uninsured, uh, private donations from people and businesses. You know, we have a development team that really hosts events all year round to try to get the community to donate, it has really great relationships with other organizations and agencies. So I think it's just a combination of everything, but the bulk of our, our money does come from the federal qualified health center program.
0: Okay. So, like you said, you're a federally certified qualified. Or Federally Qualified Health Services Center?
1: Yes, Health Center. Health Mm -hmm.
0: Center, okay. And what does that mean? Uh, Give me, like, what does that Federally Qualified entail? What are the details of that,
1: if you know? Yeah, that's – I'm probably not the best person to answer that question because that's – I think in a nutshell, like I mentioned earlier, we are – we serve an underserved area. So the the federal government you know, takes the map of the United States and based on you know, kind of poverty levels and income levels, divides it into different sections. And there are certain areas of our country that are deemed um, as underserved populations, you know, whether it be because of, of racial makeup of the community, uh, combined with the economics of the community, whether it be kind of like we serve a special population of people. So the federally qualified health center program, from what I understand, it definitely is designed to fund agencies who are going to provide health services to these underserved communities. And it's a big network. It's national. And we happen to have one of these points in, um, in New York.
0: Yeah. So I can imagine, you know, like I can't just go to New York or to my local state, you know, uh, area where it's an underserved population, open up a building and just say, Hey, I'm a federally qualified health center. Right. I'm sure there's minimum requirements of standard oh, of care. And, right. And I'm sure there's all that. And that's, that's really what I was getting at. If you knew what kind of standards and stuff that they had to meet in order to get that, which like you said, you're probably not the best person to ask. I, that one just occurred off the top of my head. It wasn't something we had prepared ahead of time in, in our, in our list of questions. So no problem. If you couldn't answer that, no big deal. It's just something like, Hey, I wonder how this works. So not a
1: problem. Well, I can tell you a little bit about our history and, and from the time that we started providing care, from the time we kind of created our mission, you know, to the time that we were a federally qualified health center, you know, there was time in between then. So I think. Yeah. So,
0: so tell us when Callan Lord first opened up, give us a timeline of the organization. Like when did you guys first start providing healthcare care services? You know, how long have you been operating under that umbrella before you became a federally qualified
1: health center and all that? Sure. So, I mean, you really have to go all the way back to really the Stonewall riots, 1969, New York City, you know, one of the pivotal moments of the gay liberation movement. I think there was some need to have some more competency around the health care provided to folks living in New York at the time. And so there was a clinic called the St. Mark's Clinic. Um it was founded in nineteen sixty nine. And in nineteen seventy two they formed the uh gay men's health project um, within the St. Mark's Clinic. And then I would say, you know, we're, we're now at 1972, AIDS hits the scene, you know, in the early 1980s, late 1970s, and then we're in a crisis, right? So, in 1983, that's when kind of, I would say that we started forming the Cowan Lord as it is now. Um, we've The St. Mark's, okay, so the Gay Men's Health Project merged with the St. Mark's Clinic. And then in 1983, they formed the Community Health Project, which was staffed by volunteers, provided the first community-based HIV clinic in the country. And that was right in New York City. So
0: that was us.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. You guys were the the first HIV what? The nation's first community-based HIV clinic. Wow. I mean, they were providing HIV care in hospitals, but basing themselves in a community grassroots organization run by volunteer individuals. Wow. Okay. So please continue. That's really cool. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, in fact, my paycheck still says Community Health Project on it nice. um, when I get it. That's our official um, incorporated name. So we started uh, providing care a long time ago, and, and it wasn't until you know the 1990s that we became, uh, in partnership with the Lutheran Hospital System, a federally qualified health center. What year was that? What year was that again? I'm sorry. We moved into our flagship location where we are right now in 1998. Not sure the exact year that we actually joined the Lutheran Network and became an FQHC, but it, it was right around then.
0: Yeah. Okay. So 1998 was roughly the area in or the time period in which you guys became federally qualified.
1: Correct. Right. Yeah. Right around there.
0: Okay. So I had no idea that your guys' organization went back that far. Uh, that's really yeah. impressive. I, I figured this was sort of like a, a newer kind of organization, um, maybe something that was connected to services provided by the the ACA the uh, you know Obamacare or or the Affordable Affordable Care Act you know I thought maybe that this was something that kind of sprung up from the change in in the healthcare system and that but it's really interesting to hear that you guys go back all the way back to like the the time of the the Stonewall riots kind of thing you know that's really that's really cool you guys have been providing services to LGBT people for a long time so it seems like you guys are really experienced.
1: Definitely no. It it definitely shows we we've been doing this for a really really long time. Um, There's lots of places in New York City now that are doing this, you know. But for a while, we were one of the few places that were doing it. People that work for us, they do trainings outside. They travel. They teach others in the community across the globe um, how to do this work, and it's really exciting.
0: Yeah. So I can imagine that LGBT people, just like everyone else, you know, one of my previous guests have explained, you know, uh, what like a broken arm syndrome is for trans people in which, you know, they go into a doctor's office and, you know, they're a trans person and they have some sort of issue. And, and, and the example given is, you know, I, the person may go into the doctor's office with a broken arm and the, and the doctor can only see that they're a trans person and say, well, maybe it's related to your hormones or maybe it's related to your transition. And you're like, uh, no, I have a broken arm and and trying to get them to pay attention to what the real issue is and not pay attention to them being a trans person is probably a unique situation specifically for trans people. So uh, one of the questions I had is, how is, in addition to the regular primary care services, because I know that you guys do provide primary care, you know, I have a cold, I need antibiotics, I have, you know, a cough, I need something for my cough kind of thing. So that, that's something that everyone, experience, every human mm-hmm. on this planet is going to experience. And you guys do provide services for that as well, right? Like primary yes. care. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But But what is unique about, LGBT health that is is unique to just LGBT people that is not one of those services that everyone gets like primary care and cough syrup and stuff like that.
1: I think LGBT health differentiates itself in, in very subtle ways um, but very important subtle ways. I think people who are providing care to the LGBT community have to have a different vocabulary sometimes. I think that medical providers you know historically, outside of our little sphere of influence, make a lot of assumptions about the patients that they serve. And don't, you know, they assume if if you're a 40-year-old man and you're in the doctor's office that, you know, that you're straight, that you're married, that there's there's all these set of assumptions that they're going to thrust upon you in the medical establishment. And I think being a competent LGBT healthcare provider is not having any of those assumptions, first and foremost, so that when someone walks in, it's really about what do you need? We rely on the patients to inform us what their body's doing and feeling, and we will provide them with what they need based on that. If that makes sense it's it's having the fluency around language, it's having the fluency cultural fluency around bodies and the behaviors that bodies engage in in our community um, it's knowing it's knowing the the social determinants that are at play in someone's health care. It's understanding what someone's job and housing status is. Are, are they, do they have health insurance? Helping them get that health insurance. It's, um, you know, help linking them to educational resources if, if need be. Finding specialty providers that are also going to be competent with the LGBT community. I think that's really important too. It's one thing to provide someone with this wonderful care and primary care, but if they need to go see a dermatologist, you know, we need to make sure that the dermatologist is going to affirm that person.
0: I think one of the important things you said is learning the language and the terminology, you know, that's specific to LGBT people. Even though I'm an ally, I don't always get it right either. And even if I do, even if I, you know, you is Caitlin your manager or your, your director?
1: Uh, Caitlin is the manager of the communications department.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So Caitlin, um, she, you know, her and I had gone back and forth and she sent me the, the GLAD organization, the, gay and lesbian alliance against defamation
1: absolutely the uh, the uh the terminology list
0: yeah right and and i and i went through that and i and i tried to make sure that i was using the proper terms even though i was using terms like homosexual even though it is a technically a clinical term or or a, a scientific term it it's it's kind of outdated and so and i wasn't really aware of that but i think that even though i even if i went by the glad reference and i got everything right there's still going to be individuals out there who don't really necessarily agree with that? Maybe I, you know, you could run into a gay person or a gay man and say, "Hey, you know, are you a gay individual or or that you know?" And using the word "gay" may may offend them, and and so they may prefer a homosexual or whatever. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just saying that even if you were to do it perfectly, you could still come across someone who doesn't necessarily agree with the, the Glad reference, and that's kind of just a, a general guideline. And I think it's good Absolutely. that you you guys, you know, like you said, you listen to the person and let them inform you of of what their needs are and what their um, identity is and things like that.
1: I can give you an example of something that is an example of what we're trying to reframe out there. And it, I hesitate to talk about patients just because we really do a great job of protecting their privacy. But I'm a trans man, and I'd be happy to share some a story. Yeah, please. If you're
0: if you're interested,
1: I didn't want to focus. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: sure. I, I know we we tried to do this interview before. We had some noise issues, and so we had to reschedule so that we could yeah. get some quiet time to talk. And so I know in our last partial interview, you identified yourself as a trans man, and I didn't want to bring that up unless you were comfortable with it. But please go ahead, tell us. I'm interested yeah, in hearing. No.
1: So the, here's a story that will definitely illustrate what is LGBT health, and 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 this is what LGBT health is not. Okay, so I'm man. When I walk down the street, you're, I'm perceived as a man. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go, I, I'm a trans man and my body is such that I require pap exam every few years. Right. Okay. So I was going to get a pap at a gynecologist's office in the city. And it was someone that was recommended by an LGBT competent healthcare provider that I go to. And I went into the office and I went into the, up to the desk and it was 8:30 in the morning. And I said, I'm here for my appointment with Doctor So and So, and the young person who was very nice uh, looked up at me, smiled, and then looked puzzled. Right? Yeah. And and it was her response wasn't well. What's your name? You know, or what's your date of birth? How, let me check you into your appointment. It was. Right. Yeah. Are you sure you're in the right place? So, yes, I'm sure I'm in the right place. So in, instead of stopping there to be like, okay, then what's your date of birth? What's your name? Let me check you into your appointment. <laughs> right. Yeah. She said, No, this is a gynecologist. Are you sure you're in the right place? And I I knew what was happening because, you know, I work in a healthcare center and I'm I'm really easygoing and I'm really happy to educate people. It's definitely frustrating and annoying, but if I don't do it in that moment, I feel like I'm just letting her down for the future, right? So
0: Right. Or you or you're expecting her to do you know, I think um, for for the most part, like you said, you know, in our day to day lives, when we run into people, you yeah. know, we accept them for the presentation that they are right. And, and I can see you now through Skype, you look like a man, I would have no idea to... Uh, second guess that at all. And so for a, a young person working in a doctor's office to see someone who, you know, pre- presents their, their image as a man, right. it, it could be a little difficult to accept like, wait, okay. You know, so it might've sure. taken her a second. And so I think it's great that you're one of those people who will take a second and and kind of explain it to them because unless you were to inform me that you were a trans person, I wouldn't have guessed it. I wouldn't right. have known it. And so I could have been using the wrong, Terminology simply just because I'm accepting your presentation a- as you're showing it, right? And so,
1: exactly,
0: yeah, to her, you know, if I can play a little devil's advocate to the girl working behind the desk, you it just looks like a man walked into a gynecologist's office, so it's a little you know out of sorts for her. So, but it, it was great that I think that you could take the time and, and educate her. So, please continue your story.
1: Yeah, I mean, so at that point, after the second time that she basically you know was invalidating my right to be there and have this appointment, I said, "I'm trans." my name's AJ, you know, here's my date of birth. Look me up. Sure enough, obviously she saw me right there on the appointment list and she, she kind of knew. And then she looked at me and she apologized immediately and she, she, she handled the situation the way that I would hope someone would handle the situation. So that was really great. But I think that in a nutshell is, is kind of what that's a microcosm. And again, I walk around this this world with a lot of privilege based on my presentation. So if I'm experiencing just that little thing, you know, other LGBT people, in particular other trans women of color, are experiencing this, you know, en masse when trying to access healthcare. So I think that what we're trying to do at Callum Lord is really eliminate that from the equation, like that part of your your visit to the the doctor's office is is no longer at play.
0: Right, which I think which I think is a good thing, right? So because we have trans people who are they they may present one sort of identity to the you know to the world and and in actuality they need they need a different kind of medical care because of their situation because of their the position at which they're at in their transition, right? I think it's really great that if if you were to walk into Callen Lord, or, or let's say I was a trans person and I was to walk into Callen Lord and I say, "Hey, I need to see a gynecologist," that they they wouldn't have that same reaction to go, uh, "Are you sure you're in the right place?" kind of thing. I think they'll just be like, "Okay, sure. Let me look up your appointment and and make sure that you get there." So. I think that's a good lesson to take away from this is that, um, we can all learn, right? We can all, I'm sure that girl at the desk, you know, she probably took that as, okay, maybe I should have just, you know, I made a mistake. I kind of fell on my sword there. Let me, let me recover and get him checked in. And then Mm -hmm. in the future, if someone walked in who presented their identity as you, and they probably said, Hey, I'm here for my appointment. I hope that she would have (laughs) remembered the awkward interaction from before, learned from it and just said, okay, let me check you in.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's the hope, right?
0: Yeah. And so do you guys offer any sort of training for medical facilities like that? Do you guys partner with any medical organizations or medical facilities that kind of help people avoid learning those
1: lessons the hard way? Mm -hmm. So I I would my answer to that would probably be countless. Um, You know, just the clinical director of the program that I work in alone is, I would say, you know, on a monthly basis, spending a couple. Handful of days, you know, either conducting a webinar or, um, down at a university in New Jersey, giving a presentation about LGBT health. So, you know, and that's just one, one medical provider in our facility. So I think that there's a ton of that work going on at, at Calendar. And that's, it's one of the things that I like about it. Cause I love reading, you know, summaries of the things that some of our medical team and, and others have done. Um, we also have this amazing advocacy work going on at Calendar too, where we, um, you know, in Albany and in Washington, D.C., where we have a, an advocacy team who's really, you know, doing the work to make sure that, you know, our, our patients are protected, you know, in this world. And it's it's really wonderful.
0: Yeah. So and you and you guys are primarily based in New York City or solely based in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we or, are or at least
1: in New York State,
0: maybe not solely within the city, right?
1: We're solely in the city. We we have a location, our flagship location which was the first location from 1998 is uh is in Chelsea in Manhattan. We have a location um we have an additional Chelsea location that provides only behavioral health services, you know, and and some sexual health services as well. Two floors of a building. We have a patient support center which patients don't access, but it's staff it's where all our call center is. Our referrals department works out of there. Our population health team who provides a lot of the data that we need to do our jobs. Um, those folks rest in, Chelsea, in Manhattan as well. We opened a Bronx location uh, in 2015. So we have a full medical site in the Bronx, which provides primary care, behavioral health, all the things that we do in Chelsea. And we recently signed a lease for a space that's the same size, if not, I think a little bigger than our flagship location in Brooklyn. So we will be in three boroughs soon in a couple of years. So that's great.
0: Okay. That's really cool. So it seems like you guys are growing and expanding out to mm-hmm. uh, different areas of the community. I'm not really sure. So uh, I, I've never been to New York other than other than I, I, I was in a trip one time where we were in a small plane and we got to fly over the Statue of Liberty. but. I've never actually been down into the neighborhoods or into the streets of New York city. So when you say Chelsea, I hear it on the movies and you know, they, yeah. they always talk about these different areas. What is that? So this is totally separate from the actual interview. I'm just curious sure. now. Cause I don't, <laughs> when people are like, Oh, I'm from Chelsea or I'm from hell's kitchen yeah. or, or whatever they call sure. it. Yeah. You know, I don't, are those just like counties or no. what is Chelsea? Like, What does that mean? It's a neighborhood. Okay.
1: So if you, if you, um, each, so that Manhattan there's New York City yeah so New York City is composed of five distinct boroughs and those are political organized those are like counties for lack of a better term. So each borough belongs to a different county. Manhattan is a borough. okay. Brooklyn is a borough okay but they're also you know municipalities of their own right but they're still part of New York City. okay so um, Queens is a borough. Staten Island is a borough and Bronx is a borough.
0: Right. So it's it, because New York is such a large city, it's kind of just yeah. sectioned out into these boroughs. So they Burrows. provide their own sort of local community like services that are not that are smaller yeah. on a smaller level than the city.
1: Correct. Yeah. Smaller level than the city, like community based. And then each borough in each borough, there are different sections, but they're not. These are just kind of like uh, neighborhoods. Right. So. There's tons of neighborhoods in Manhattan. In Brooklyn, there's tons of neighborhoods. Williamsburg is a neighborhood of Brooklyn. Crown Heights is a neighborhood in Brooklyn. If you're talking about Queens, you know, you can talk about Long Island City as a neighborhood in, in Queens. There are different sections. And I think from a his, history point of view, and I'm not a native New Yorker, I'm a transplant from Rhode Island. But uh, I think from a historic point of view, these these neighborhoods, different they all had their own flavor, right? And different neighborhoods are known for different things. And I think that's, and Chelsea, I think the legacy of Chelsea, though I would say it's, it's maybe a little different now is that it was a, a gay section.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, I just never understood that. I always hear people say, Oh, I'm from Chelsea in New York, you know, I'm just like, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Is that a County or, you know, cause, cause out, outside of New York or New York city, you know, out here, you know, I live in Georgia and so, we have neighborhoods, but they're basically just part of a, a homeowners association. So I just did yeah. one of those things I've never experienced. And so I was like, well, I have a person from New York here. Let me let me see if I can get some understanding yeah. from it. So uh, that's an aside to the actual interview. I was just curious. So because you guys are primarily in the city and you help New York City you know, residents,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how or what are some of the tips for people who aren't in the city who are looking for care as an LGBT person? What are some, you know, tips if they're not in New York City, yeah. and, and trying to find services that are tailored or at least um, understanding of their position?
1: All right. So if you if you have access to the internet and you're not living in a big city uh, you certainly start there you start with the internet right obviously um, Google search LGBT competency there are people with t- really great blogs um, some of the younger people just working in the youth program I'm like learning these things I'm, I'm not that youth savvy when it comes to technology and things like that but um, Tumblr is a great resource I know some of the young people that I've met through my job um, they found us through Tumblr they found some of our resources through Tumblr we serve a lot of pe- young people who do come from other places because New York is kind of one of those places where people who are from our community go to just be themselves and and try to get some more of that you know acknowledgement and affirmation because it's a big city uh, myself included that's why I'm here so I, I think if you don't have access to the internet and you happen to be in one of these you know places that doesn't have a lot try to get to a library and access the internet look for um Look for the cities near you and if they have pride centers, I think pride centers can be a really good source of information for people who are looking to access healthcare and other resources in the community. Um, I think it, there could be groups, um, support groups, peer groups, um, things like that. That's one of the first avenues I explored in Rhode Island, even though it was kind of a bigger city. That's one of the ways that I started it's hard out there sometimes.
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to give it, I, I just want to do a, a, an actual live test. So this is, you know, just me giving it a shot. So I opened up a new tab on my browser here and right. I just typed into Google ATL cause uh, I live near Atlanta and I just typed in ATL pride center. And there are a list of organizations right here on the Google search page, you know, the Philip rush center in Atlanta, Atlanta pride committee parade and marches for Atlanta pride or our organization. So I imagine that if you're near a large city like New York or Atlanta or San sure. Francisco or any of those places, you could probably type in that and find a list of centers. And I'm sure each of those centers are going to have their networking avenues at which, well, you know, hey, we don't provide that, but this we know this organization does, right? Absolutely. And,
1: yep, we do a lot of that at Calum Law too. I mean, we are first and foremost a health center, right? So there's patients of ours that have lots of needs beyond just their medical health care we spend a lot of time and have a lot of people invested in in the work of linking people to those resources that we can't provide.
0: Right. So for example, you guys, you guys aren't a surgical uh, facility, right? So you don't provide any sort of surgery or anything like that. No, we don't. Yeah. Like you couldn't even take out someone's appendix or, you know, their tonsils or anything like you don't do provide any surgical services at all. So if a trans person wanted to come in and inquire about maybe sexual reassignment surgery or anything, you know, related, you know, maybe they wanted to have um breast implants or or have their breasts removed, whatever their situation is, you would be able to refer them to a clinic that does provide those kind of services, right?
1: Absolutely. So we would we we have a very, very robust surgery coordination program, for lack of a better word, at Cal and Lord. It's not officially called that, but our care coordination team works with patients to Get any letters that they're going to need for insurance companies to pay for these services if they're insured. Um, We have a behavioral health team who sees patients. We have a team of psychiatrists who see patients. A lot of the surgeries um, for trans individuals require some experience with with behavioral health. You know, an ongoing relationship with a behavioral health provider. So, you know, we we provide that service. We 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 provide all the legwork that someone would need. But the only thing we can't do is actually give them the surgery, um, or, or provide them with kind of like a place to recuperate from the surgery. I mean, aftercare is a big issue when it comes to surgeries.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, I think any surgery, there's a, a certain level of aftercare and in, in the yeah. more complex surgeries you have, you know, there, there's probably more in, uh, intense, uh, n- need for good aftercare. So, something that just occurred to me because we were talking earlier about the type of organization you guys are and how you're funded. I did. I forgot to ask. Are you guys a, a non profit or are you a for profit? You know, no, no.
1: we're non for profit.
0: Okay, so you're a five hundred one c three then.
1: Hmm. Absolutely.
0: Okay, that's really good. I just wasn't. I figured that's what it was, and I was just like, I, I imagine you guys are a non profit organization. I just. I, I knew I forgot. I meant to ask that, and I forgot. We're to the part of the interview where I would like to really hear about, and please, like you said, you protect your patients. Is that the right word? Would customers, patients, patients, patients. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you protect your patients, privacy and, and identity. And I think that's really great. I wouldn't ever want you to violate that, but I would like to hear, you know, some of the more touching or interesting stories of when someone came in and was, you know, really down and out and they really didn't know where to go or to turn. And they kind of, this was their last shot or something like that. If you have any interesting or, or heartfelt stories that come to mind since you've been working there that so that you could share with us, I think it would be really great. If you could tell us, you know, some of those more personal type of um, differences that you make in an individual's life.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I work for the, the youth program, so I, I, there's so many. Uh, I think, I, I, uh, first of all, I know of several people who came through our youth program who now are employed at our health center in very, very important roles in the health center. Who you know finished their education and and work for us, and that's in itself just wonderful, right? It's the little things, man. Uh, people who came into uh, our our services who. You know, we couldn't use their insurance because if their parents found out they were coming here, it it would be awful and and over. You know, and and have and then fostering their confidence and helping them get to a place where they have wonderful relationships with their family, where their family is attending visits, where where their family wants to know how do I become part of this mental health visit. You know, um, that's really really great. Um, people who, let's say, were young people. Who are HIV positive and who, you know, really couldn't connect to services, really weren't medicated, who had really high viral loads, who, um, just seeing a young person or any person access their care, do the work that's needed, take their medication and become virally suppressed where the virus doesn't show in your body that's amazing uh amazing work um yeah
0: i mean man i didn't even think about that cuz i when i think of hiv care it generally in most cases you know i think of someone who who may have hiv or or aids and they because it's not such a prevalent issue like it was in the 80s it's not you know on the forefront of the news we have this idea that it's kind of largely under control
1: yeah no i mean we're 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 firmly in the middle of an aids epidemic you know um i think that Things have changed in the last decade or so with the advent of, of ARVs, which are the antiretroviral medications that we prescribe to patients who are living with HIV. We have a new biomedical intervention. It's not really new anymore called PrEP. That is, oh, I've heard of that. I've heard of PrEP. It's usually successful. We've we At one point in the last couple of years, we were the um, largest provider of PrEP in New York City. I'm not sure if we still have that distinction
0: for people who haven't heard of PrEP, I know I've heard of it, and I'm not 100% clear on what it actually is or what it does, but could you explain for anyone who doesn't know what PrEP is? To Because to, I know some of my audience is straight and cis, and I have LGBT listeners as well, and so maybe some of them aren't aware of what PrEP is.
1: Sure. PrEP is a uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, right? So it's a daily medication that you take one time every day. And it prevents the transmission of HIV. So that if you are uh, adherent and you are you take PrEP um, and you have sex with someone who is HIV positive, and it's unprotected sex, and there's transmission of fluid, the idea behind PrEP is you're not going to zero convert. The, the virus is not going to convert in your body. So it's basically a condom for PrEP uh, for HIV.
0: Yeah, so it's like a medical condom
1: basically. Correct. Yeah, it's a prophylaxis, yes.
0: Sure. Okay. That's cool. So for those of you out there who weren't aware of it, that's I mean that would work for anyone, not just gay or right. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a straight person and you're out dating and you're single and you're and you're having unprotected sex, you could get prep and protect yourself that way as well.
1: Yeah, and in fact, um the city of New York just anecdotally is um is actually marketing prep very, very strongly to, to, towards women um these days. A lot of the advertisements that you see on billboards and subways and stuff like that are are very very um, focused on having women take PrEP to prevent the spread of HIV
0: okay and but getting back to your HIV care I can imagine you probably maybe not you personally but I I mean you as in the organization has probably saved people's lives left and right who have HIV who probably weren't able to get the medicines that they need to keep the HIV virus at bay from you know like you said they may come in with very high viral loads Sure. And you probably saved that person's life. I think that's really a significant thing. I mean, my hat's off to you because for, you know, me as a a straight white cis guy in in the middle of, you know, um, the the middle income bracket, you know, I don't I don't see these kind of issues um, that you guys do. And, you know, like I said, in my head, it seemed like this was largely under control. But I imagine you people see people come in all the time who are, you know, really bad off and you probably turn their lives around. I, I can't even imagine how significant that must be to not just that person, but to you guys as well, knowing the fact that you've changed this person's outcome and, and you've helped get their, their, the HIV virus under control and stop them from essentially dying a young death.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the answer would be countless people that we've been able to to help, but I don't think we, we don't save lives I think people, people make decisions that are right for their bodies. When they're ready to make those decisions. And if that decision is to take antiretroviral medication to control your viral load of HIV, our job is to be there for them and to offer that service. And, um, when they're ready for it, right? And not to, to kind of force it on people, but. We we, we pre- prescribe a lot of those medications.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah, no, I, I don't doubt that. And I just was trying to say that I think you know, just another thing, I mean, I, I, to me, it seems like you guys are just saving lives left and right. Because if I think about it in my head, you know, you guys provide behavioral health or mental health services for people who may have been contemplating suicide, right? And so you probably saved... I, you know, I know that there are some people out there who struggle, you know, whether because they come from a religious background or their parents are conservative or they're, you know, they they aren't accepted in their community for whatever reason, that in and of itself, even if you don't have medical issues, mental, you know, health is just as important because those people feeling, you know, like outcasts and alone can sometimes take drastic steps to take their own lives. And I imagine that just providing mental health services probably saved an untold number of lives just by doing that in and of itself. So, I mean, I just keep thinking about all these ways that you guys are really significantly helping LGBT people and preventing, you know, things like suicide or death from HIV and AIDS or uh, getting bad care from another facility that wasn't prepared to handle their unique issues. So, Man, the the more I think about it, the more I just I can, I can imagine the type of impact you guys are having in your community, and I think it's really great. I, I I'm I'm really glad we got this opportunity to do this interview because not only am I learning a lot, but I just I'm grasping the impact of the type of services you guys provide to your community, and I think
1: it's really great. It is. It's really great, and I see it honestly. It's so hard to give you a specific example because I see it every day. I see the power of the work that we do. I see pe people grow you know evolve in their own humanity from being a 19 year old to being a 24 year old because now i've been there five years so i've seen some people really just thrive and it's it's amazing and you're right we probably have saved a lot of lives but and if you think about some of the people that have been with our organization for a really long time um i i know some there's a One person in my department's been here for 25 years providing care to youth on that mobile van. And to think of what she saw 20 years ago, right? Um, as opposed to now in terms of what people, how people were impacted by things like AIDS. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible, you know.
0: Okay, so we're going to start wrapping up. And AJ, I appreciate all your time. I mean, this was a really great interview. You share a lot of information uh, to my audience. And I, I hope that people hear this show. Um Unfortunately, I don't have a larger audience right now. I'm hoping to grow the show. So maybe... Maybe in a year or so we can have you guys back on or I'm very interested in 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 helping in any way that I can. So if you guys have a new program and you want to come on the show in a future in a future episode and tell us more about, you know, something new that you guys are doing. I'm more than open to that. But uh, for right now, tell us, you know, this is your opportunity to plug. Your organization in, in any way that you would like. If you want to give out phone numbers or websites, I specifically would like to know how people, if they're interested in helping, right? Because you guys are nonprofit organizations, yeah. and, I, and I'm sure a lot of nonprofit organizations have problems with funding and, and getting money. I don't know that you guys maybe, you know, because you get federal funding, you may not be struggling as much as some others, or you may be struggling more. I have no idea, but I, I know that there are people out there who have heard what you said here today and may be interested in helping. In any way that they can, you know, it's hard sometimes as an ally to find out, you know, Hey, how can I help? What can I do to make a difference? Even though, um, I don't interact with, you know, I don't know anyone who is gay or trans, or maybe they're not aware that they know someone who is gay or trans and they still want to be a good ally and they want to help. So please tell us anything you want to tell us about the organization, how we can help, how we, how people can connect with you, whatever they can do.
1: I would say that our, our communications and development team has put together an amazingly informative and user-friendly website. And I'm going to give people that website, which is um Lord. It's C-A-L-L-E-N-Lord L-O-R-D-E dot org. You can find out ways that you can help our organization uh, on that website. Um if I were to be selfish, I would say that we are desperately in need of a new mobile medical unit. So any RV companies out there want to donate one, that'd be awesome too.
0: And so how can people donate to your, sh- uh, to your organization?
1: There's a section of our website that is the donate tab. And um, all of that information would be on there.
0: And, and to go back to your website, you know, uh, if people who are listening are looking for how to reach your website, maybe they, they weren't able to type it in correctly. As you said, if you go to my website, I have had you guys up there since my, one of my, so I found out about the Callen Lord, uh, from one of my previous guests who had, who had taken advantage of your services. And, and when I asked them to plug any organizations that they really like, or that they want to share with the audience, they plugged you guys. And so that's how I found out about your organization. And I reached out to your organization for an interview. Caitlin reached back out and said, sure, we'd love to do that. And so if you want to go to my website, if you're listening and you're familiar with my website, uh, over on the left column, I have what's called the straight up gay links. And you can go in there and about halfway down is the Callan Lord Trans Clinic, New York City. If that's not right, please correct me. I'll I'll reword that. However, um, it needs to be worded. I'll go back to the website and make sure that I have it. Um right now it's listed as the callen Lord Trans Clinic NYC. i
1: would call it the callen Lord Community Health Center.
0: Okay, I'll fix that. And so you can go to my website, I'll fix that today, the Callan Lord Community Health Center, and you can go to the Straight Up Gay Podcast website, uh find that link there as well. So I think what you guys are doing is really great and I'm definitely going to try and find ways to participate and support you guys in any way that I can.
1: If you're in the New York City area, uh, there's a pretty fun way you can help us out and it's on June 1st. We are renting out the Central Park Zoo for an event called Roar, um, where it's, it's very family friendly, lots of kids, face painting, penguin exhibit, seal show, things like that. Tickets are available on our website and um, people can definitely donate and attend that event. And It's really, really great and fun. What day was that again? June 1st? So on June 1st. If you happen to be in the New York City area, you should come check out uh, Roar at Central Park. It's a benefit to host uh, for Calamore Community Health Center.
0: Oh, wow. That's really cool. That sounds really awesome. And that's at the New York City Zoo, right? At the
1: New- it's Central Park Zoo.
0: Okay. Well, that's really cool. If if anyone's out there is in New York, I know one of my previous guests were, and if you're listening, you know, make sure you go out there and support Callum Lord. I, I think what you guys are doing is really great. And so, you know, you guys are always welcome. Let Caitlin know that if you guys have something new or something you want, you know, I can give you a little space on the show. If you guys want to come back on and, and say, Hey, we're doing this thing, you know, we're doing that thing. Yeah. I would be more than happy to have you guys on to let you share any information about your organization as you can. I think what you guys are doing is so important in so many ways that I can't even express how significant I think what you guys are doing is. And so I am definitely a huge fan of your organization. I, I am proud to call myself a supporter of Callum Lord and, and an advocate for you guys. I will definitely, if I know of anyone or if I meet anyone in New York city and, and they're looking for help, I will definitely do my best to direct them to where you guys are at, because I think what you're doing is, is very important. So yeah, great for you guys. So
1: Thanks for the work you're doing, too, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. I I just, you know, I know it's hard. You know, I'm trying to walk that line because I'm a straight cis guy and I'm a white guy. You know, I I, I sit on this high pedestal of privilege, you know, and, and I don't experience the difficulties that some trans or LGBT people experience. And so I'm just trying to find a way that I know how to, to be supportive and help in any way that I can. I just want to, I, my primary goal is to be a good ally and help. And, and if I'm doing that, if people are happy with what I'm doing, then I think I'm,
1: I'm, I'm meeting my mission. Yeah. And your son's a lucky guy. That's awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm yeah. Re- I'm, you know, I got a great kid. You know, he struggles in school sometimes, but, uh, you know, I love that, you know, that boy to death. And uh, I just hope that he grows up to be a good person. And, and that's all I'm trying to do. It's hard being a parent of an LGBT uh, yeah. kid. It, it presents its own unique difficulties. And so I just hope that I'm doing a good job. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening to this show. Uh, like I said, please support Callen Lord. I think the work that they're doing is is important in so many ways that it's hard to even get it all out in one hour episode. So please go to their website. Check it out. Remember, if you want to reach out to me, if I said anything wrong, if I did anything wrong, if I need anything corrected, please let me know. You can always email me at major at up gay podcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter. Uh, I'm kind of active on Twitter. I don't get post, you know, a million things a day, but I do post from time to time. But you can follow me at SUG Podcast. We also have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash straightupgaypodcast. And... Um, The best place to reach all of these links, if you want to listen to audio, I embed the audio in my homepage at www.straightupgaypodcast.com. If you're not already listening to the show and you want to tell someone to listen to the show, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and on SoundCloud. If you're looking for links to any of those places to listen to the show, you can always go on my homepage again, and all of those are available there. As well as, like I said, the straight up gay links. And whenever I have a new guest on the show, if they talk about an organization that they really like and they really support, I try to add those to my directory of, of links for people to who are listening and want to learn more about the organization. You can always come to my webpage and find those services and you, I will definitely update the information about Callen Lord and you will be able to find the Callen Lord Community Health Center uh, link on my homepage. Uh, as soon as I get done with this interview, I'll, that'll be the first thing I do is correct that information. So AJ, thank you for being here. You've been uh, very informative. You've really impressed upon me about how important your guys's work is. And I just really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for all that you do.
1: No, you're welcome. And thanks for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure.
0: This has been episode 18 with AJ from Callan Lord. Thanks all of you for listening. Make sure that you're looking out for each other. And I will see everyone on episode 19 upcoming. We have... Callie Wright, who is the host of the podcast, The Gaytheist Manifesto. Um, I'm a fan of hers. I've heard her on other podcasts that I listen to, and I'm really excited to have her on the show. And so she will be on episode 19 or 20, I believe. So make sure you keep an an ear out for that. And uh, I will see you guys on the next episode.
2: my mother knew I wasn't straight, she didn't understand but she had so much to say. She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face and said, you'll burn in hell or probably die of age. It's funny now but at 13 it was pain to be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away. And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom, but hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine. Uh. And I guess it was disastrous Cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside Because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny And ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion And I can't change. I've seen innocent children suffer beneath bruises Suffer beneath every single hand that chooses Ignorance, fuck your religion Fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions There are no lakes of fire for here on earth And the only thing to do is put love first And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve. And our heart in our hand and that chip on a shoulder and I stand for it all until ignorance is over. This is for you for knowing who you are, for never letting your magic outside of your heart be you. Be brave and understand that things do change. I accept you for you when I don't understand and I love you for you. Cause this is who I am. Accepted you for you, when I didn't understand Now love me for me Love is love, there is no difference Not a medication to fix it, there is no prescription No rehab to visit, it is not an addiction It's love, and it's selfless, it's yours and everybody else's So don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless See us as yourself, there's no equality and difference Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood Despite orientation, we all feel the same loved. Drowning in the same blood Despite orientation, we all feel the same love in and labeled, before we're ever able to speak who we believe we are, or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm, I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday, and tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow, no I'm not gay, no I'm not straight, and I sure as hell am not bisexual, damn it, I am whoever I am when I am it, loving whoever you are when the stars shine, and whoever you'll be when the sun rises. so here's to being able, Here's to love, here's to loving just because Here's to acceptance, here's to never fearing the fear of rejection Here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are Here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever Here's to the moment that you realize things do get better Here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late Here's to second chances, here's to new fate Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you Here's to the single star shining bright inside you Asking you to guide you Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out Here's to momentary doubt Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same Here's to the moment that things will change Cause we all feel love, we all feel it the same Here's to love a change.